Welcome to the Great Lakes Fishing Podcast presented by Fishhawk Electronics. If you're looking for news, tips, and stories about fishing the Great Lakes, you've come to the right place. And now your host, Chris Larson. Hello and welcome to the Great Lakes Fishing Podcast. I hope you've been enjoying the podcast lately. I've had a lot of fun producing live Facebook interviews with charter captains. And if you want to join us, head over to our Facebook page. We're scheduling live shows every Wednesday or Thursday night. If you want to know when and who is going to be on, feel free to subscribe to our newsletter. Just go to the Fishhawk Electronics page, their website. That's fishhawkelectronics.com. Scroll down to the bottom of the page and you can subscribe right there. We're not going to bombard your inbox. We typically send out one email a week. It's enough to keep you in the know without being a pain. Today's show is another live recording. We had Mark Romanak from Fishing 411 TV on the virtual Great Lakes Fishing Show back in March. Mark represented precision trolling data in this interview, so we're talking trolling speeds and a lot more. Here's the interview. Well, thanks for coming on, and uh, real quick, tell us about the trip you just came back from. Well, we were in the White River in uh, in Arkansas, and those people haven't had a chance to go down there. It is really kind of something special. The Bull Shoal Dam holds back the water from the White River, and when they open the dam, literally the river floods with water. And believe it or not, that rising water is when these trout bite. We caught some beautiful brown trout, absolutely beautiful fish. So uh, it's going to make a very nice show for the uh, 2022 season of Fishing 411. Yeah. That's not your normal show, though, Mark. You guys do a lot of stuff in boats and trolling and running around. So uh, what was that like to, to go out and, and do that thing compared to maybe your typical Great Lakes show? It's it's much different. I mean, when Jake and I are on the Great Lakes, we're in our comfort zone. And when we're fishing there, we feel very confident that everything that's going on, we understand what's going on. And if things aren't going good, we know how to adapt to make things go better. Uh, quite frankly, on the White River, I was fish out of water. Um not only is this a different kind of fishing, but the, the current is flowing five miles an hour. The boat is drifting at five miles an hour. <laughs> so you see a target you want to throw to, and before you can get the cast out there, you've already drifted past it. It's very challenging, but I adapted to it. It took a couple of days to get to the point where I could catch some fish. And uh, I think when people see the show, they're going to like it, but it is definitely outside my comfort zone. The, the good news is, is you are fishing the first week of March. <laughs> oh, well, that is a very good thing. And, uh, you know, after the, the debacle of COVID in 2020, we made a commitment that we were going to start filming earlier than ever before. Normally, we start fishing about the 1st of April, and, um, and because that's when we can get on the water here in the Great Lakes. But we decided we were going to go places in the south. We were going to get some shows in the can so that uh, we wouldn't be stuck in that situation of having to fish all the way up to the to the buzzer, literally, to get 13 shows done. Right. No, I, I know it's always a, it's always a challenge. Um, let's, talk some, let's talk some precision trolling here. Um, okay. You know, so much of the, I just referenced the question before, you know, the whole, you know, the repeatability part of whether it's speed or depth in your case, um, it's a huge part of our fisheries. And you guys were really one of the pioneers in in really bringing that to the forefront. And and really your, your mess, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but your your message hasn't changed a whole lot for a long time. And, and that is what precision trolling does, correct? That is correct. And we, and quite frankly, you're right, Trevor, we haven't changed at all. I mean, the bottom line is that if you don't know where your gear is running in the water column, you're fishing blind. And if you do know where your gear is running in the water column and you've got a sonar unit and you're marking fish, 
then you can get your gear dialed in right to the same depth where the fish are. You put your gear where the fish are at, you're going to catch more fish. And I think everybody agrees with this premise. And this is why precision trolling data works so well is because it puts your gear in front of fish. And if you do that, you're going to be a happy camper at the end of the day. Uh, that's really what it boils down to. We create the science that allows people to control their gear and uh, nobody else does it. I mean, we're the only ones that go in the water and actually get wet and actually look at lures underwater. <laughs> the only people who have ever done it in history. And, and that was, I was, I was hoping we'd be able to talk about that. I, you know, I don't know what part of that process is proprietary or not, but um, that was, I was hoping you'd be able to, to actually shed some light on that process. Cause you guys put in like some heavy duty man hours into gathering that data. Well, and it's not really all that proprietary because we've been talking about how we do this for years. We actually consider it to be a selling tool. Um, essentially what we're doing is we're trolling things in open water and then we're controlling the variables. We're controlling the lead length, we're controlling the line diameter, we're controlling our speed. And then what we're trying to do is steer that lure past a scuba diver that's positioned in the water. Now, as we go by the scuba diver, he descends in the water swims down, he sees the line in the water, and then he's looking for the lure. And when the lure goes past the story pole, or a measuring tape in this case, he actually is visually reading off the story pole. And so then he pops back up to the surface and he shouts out what that number is. So I know the bait went that deep on that lead length with that line type or line diameter. And we jot that piece of data down. And then we go and do it again with a different lead length and another and another and another. And you reference this time consuming. It's ridiculously time consuming. I can't tell you how much <laughs> of my life has been spent um, over the last 25 years on the water testing things for precision trolling data. Yeah, it's it's uh, and, and well, maybe it's job security because every every <laughs> well, year there's a, there's a, a new, you know, the new crop of, of crankbaits and, and or, you know, whatever. I mean, so it's, it's kind of like the. It's a never ending, never ending job. Well, you know, we thought that at some point we would catch up and we would be in a position where we would have most of the stuff tested, uh, but that's clearly doesn't happen. Uh, in a typical year, there are about a hundred new lures introduced. Uh, we can't even test a hundred lures in a year. So we're going behind um, every single year in terms of what we can test and what we never get around to testing. So these days, um, in the old days, we used to test anything we could lay our hands on. Um, these days, we're very specific at what we're testing. We only want to test the things that our customers are writing us and telling us, hey, this is a new lure I'm having success with. I'd really like to have more information on it. And those are the things we test um, as a result. That works out very well. Our customers are happy about that. And it rings the cash register because I don't make any money on precision trolling data on the app until someone actually buys one of those pieces of data. So it's pointless for me to test XYZ lure if nobody's actually fishing XYZ lure. What is the transition from from paper to digital, you know, paper to app, basically? Because, you know, the, the 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 book was the original product, right? The book was the original product, and, uh, and that got us off the ground, and that was very successful for a lot of years. But the bottom line, unfortunately, is a book cannot be added to. Um, once you publish a book, you know, you're living with what is in the book. And yeah. uh, we would print enough books to last for two years. The reason we printed so many is to keep the cost down. And printing, the more you print, the cheaper they are. And so we would print about two years worth of books. 
which meant that I was testing for two years, but people weren't seeing any of that data until the next generation or the next edition of the book came out. So thank goodness technology has made all that not necessary anymore because apps can be updated very, very quickly. And, and through the benefit of an app, I can test a bait on a Monday, um, upload that information to Apple or Google, and literally people are seeing that within a week from the time we test it, they're actually using that data. And that's pretty phenomenal when you think about considering how we did it in the old days. Right, absolutely. Absolutely. Mark, tell us a little bit about um, what are some of the success stories? What do people tell you when, when they, when you obviously in the last year, we haven't done a lot of shows, but before that you're pretty active on the show circuit. People can walk up to you and talk to you and ask you questions. What are kind of some of the things that, that people say to you about what they do with, with precision trolling data? Well, I think, you know, this goes back a long ways. Um, the title that we used, the Trollers Bible, we didn't come up with that. That was something that our customers kind of, you know, a slogan that they sort of handed us on a silver platter. And uh, we take that very seriously. There's a lot of very adept trollers out there who won't even put a lure in the water unless we test it and give them the data for it. Why? They have no confidence in that lure if they don't know where it's running in the water column. And without us testing it and giving it our thumb approval, so to speak, this will this lure will do this with this much line out. People simply won't test it and as you know, or won't use it. And as a result, we've seen lots and lots of manufacturers begging us to test their products because they know if we test it and it ends up in the app, people will buy it and use it. And so that's what created a bit of a problem because there's more products out there to test them than we can absolutely test in the year. There's we never get to the end of the, uh, the list of things that need to be tested. So that's why we're a little bit more selective these days, trying to pick the things that customers are excited about and testing the things that customers want to see. Well, one of the things that we've been talking about a lot today is integration and how things talk to each other. And uh, Marvin Marner from Facebook wants to know about integrating precision trolling data into fish finders such as a Lowrance. Is that something that you're working on? Well, actually, this is not new technology. This is something we started talking about and negotiating with Lawrence about 10 years ago. And the reason it hasn't come to fruition is because the sonar technology changes so rapidly. Look at it. If you buy a new sonar unit today, you'll probably be updating it before you take it out of the package. That's how mm -hmm. fast these updates come. And so there's no way to stay on top of all these updates. And so while it seems logical and simple that we can take our data and implement it into an app reader that shows on a sonar unit, it's not quite that simple because everybody's using different app readers. Everybody's have different brand sonars. So it's very complex. I'd like to say that I can snap my fingers and make this happen, but we've been negotiating with Lawrence for 10 years and haven't been able to make this happen, even though the technology is widely available Getting it out there is a different story. It's not as high a priority with the sonar companies as it is with my customers or with me, but I'd like to think that someday you'll be able to get exactly your wish. You'll be able to turn on your sonar unit and see a nice big screen 12 inch version of precision trolling data. Um, but for right now, that's a bit of a pipe dream. Yeah, I th you know, I think the other thing too is you look at how pervasive, you know, mobile technology is, you know, that's good and bad, but it's like, man, it's, it sure is an easy button to pull it up, pull it up on your phone. And like, you know, I know your, uh, your interface with, you know, how it works with the wheel and the whole thing. I mean, it, it's, it's, I don't know. I think it'd be hard to, to get a whole lot better than that uh, just from a user perspective. And just, that's just my own personal opinion. But. 
one of the things I do recommend to people about that is that if you want to see a bigger version of precision trolling, you don't necessarily have to just look at it on your phone. Um, if you're an Android guy, of course, you can get yourself a tablet and you can upload it to a tablet. You don't pay any more for that. You can upload the information to any device that you have or you want. If you're an iPhone guy, of course, you can do the same thing with an iPad. And the beauty of that is that now you have a larger platform that you're looking at. So you can see the numbers better. You can see the adjustments on the picker wheels better. Um, and you can see it in bright sunlight better than you can see on a telephone. And so that's one way that guys can do that. So don't forget, um, if you own the data and if you buy the app, you own the data, you can upload it to whatever platform you want as far as where you can upload it to a tablet or you can upload it to a phone. Um, the only thing you can't do it to is you can't do it to a desktop computer. Um, that's the only thing you can't upload it to. We got another question here, Mark, and this is probably more uh, your fishing 411 hat than your precision trolling hat, but uh, a guy asking, does the optimum, tr optimum trolling speed change from March to September? <laughs> yeah, and in fact, it's interesting because um, I was just thinking about this the other day. Trolling has changed so much in my lifetime. I can remember a time when nobody thought you could catch a walleye on a crankbait until the water temperature was 50 degrees or warmer. <laughs> a lot of guys never even put crankbaits in the water until Memorial Day. Um, we were done fishing at Labor Day. Uh, these days, now we know a little different than that. We know that you can catch fish year-round in any water temperature on a crankbait um, by trolling. The only thing you have to keep in mind is that you have to slow your speed down in cold water, and then you're going to have to also speed up your speed or speed up your presentation a little bit as the water warms up. So when we start fishing in the springtime, when we splash our boat here, hopefully within the next week or two, we'll be trolling one, one, two, one, five might be as fast as we'll even consider going. But by the time we get into June and July, we're going to be trolling some of those same lures, two, 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 five, maybe pushing them towards three miles an hour. And so once you keep that in mind and understanding that in the spring when it's cold, you got to go slow. In the fall when it's cold, you got to go slow. In the summer, there's no, you know, there's no rules here. You can go much faster in the summertime. You'll be very successful at managing your speed for, uh, for, for trolling in open water. Oops. Oh, now we're back to back oh, yeah. talking here. If somebody wants to get into the precision trolling game, they want to get, get started with it, how does somebody get started with precision trolling data? Well, you can do it two ways. Obviously, you can put it on both platforms. You can either put it on an Android phone, if you like, or you can put it on an iPhone, if you like. But what I will remind people is that there's no such thing as a paid app that transfers platforms. So if you start out being an Android guy and then you decide you want to be an iPhone guy, you're going to have to buy the app twice. You can transfer it to as many like devices as you want. Like if you're an Android guy, you can transfer it every time you buy a new Android phone, but you cannot transfer the data from one platform to another. And we run into that quite a bit with people and they get a little confused on that. So whatever phone platform you decide to, uh, to be, you know, that you want to use, that's the one you should stick with. And, uh, and then you can upload the data. Um, every time we come up with new stuff, you can purchase new. If you want to buy a lifetime version, you'll never pay again. Every time we come up with an update, you'll get it absolutely free. Very cool. Let's, we talked a little bit earlier on your trip to the White River, but uh, you said, hey, we've got 13 shows to do. What do you got on your calendar this year? What's cool, What's going on with Fishing 411? Where are you guys headed? Well, we'll be in our comfort zone a lot this year, and we'll be doing things that we really appreciate. Um, you know, we love Great Lakes brown trout fishing. That's something that Jake loves. That's something I love. We're always going to new bodies of water to do that. And um, we'll be going to uh, Lake Ontario, which is not a new body of water for us, but we're going to try and go to a place we've never been before, Rockford, 
New York. It's probably got the best brown trout fishing in the Great Lakes. We've been trying to get there and hit it for a couple of years, and the timing just hasn't worked out. But we're going to make it happen. If I have to camp out in Rochester for the month of April, we're going to make it happen. <laughs> got big brown trout and lots of them. And, um, and that's something we really want to capitalize on. The other thing, of course, we'll be doing is a lot of salmon fishing. We'll be doing salmon fishing in the springtime, and that'll happen in southern Lake Michigan. That'll also happen in Lake Ontario. Um, and then we're also going to chase some cohos um, in Lake Michigan. And we're going to go up to Lake Superior, and we're going to do some trolling for brown trout in Lake Superior. There's some great brown trout fishing in Lake Superior that most people don't know about because they don't realize these fish are being stocked in Wisconsin, but they like to live in Michigan. So we're going to show you where you can catch them in Michigan waters at Lake Superior. Yeah, I want to know that too. <laughs> Don't tell your friends. It's kind of a secret. <laughs> we, I want. I, I'm going to request that you shoot some shows closer to Minnesota, so I don't, you know, so I don't have to drive up and over every time I want to follow you somewhere. Well, we could make that happen. You're going to want to be a part of the, the one that we do in Superior because uh, we're going to do a couple of different things. We're going to chase brown trout early in the season, close to shore, traditional methods. But we're also going to fish the scum lines in Lake Superior as well this year. And that's something a lot of people don't realize. There's a scum line bite in Lake Superior. Most people have no clue it's happening. And it's a mixed bag fishery. There's browns, there's cohos, there's, there's wild king salmon, there's steelhead, and of course, lake trout, lake trout, and more lake trout. If people want to see these shows, Mark, where is the best place for somebody to, to view what you guys have going on? Well, everything that we've done in the past, of course, is on our YouTube channel. So just Fishing 401, if you uh, Google that and look for the YouTube channel, you can see all the hundreds of shows we've produced in the past. But the new stuff, the stuff that's broadcasting on national broadcast television right now is on the Sportsman's channel. It's also on World Fishing Network. If you're a Canadian, uh, you can find us on Sportsman's Canada. That's a new network for us. And April 1, everything that we do for television gets uploaded to YouTube. So if you don't have any of those venues, um, you can watch us on YouTube absolutely free starting April 1. People want to know more about precision uh, trolling data. Where do they find that? PrecisionTrollingData.com is our landing page, our webpage. If you go there, uh, I think what you'll find is, is that when people ask questions, we actually respond to those people. And uh, we have a whole team of folks um, that, are, that are every day looking at this watching what people the questions are asking trying to answer those questions to the best of our ability um i can't tell you how many precision trolling data questions i've answered at 11 o'clock at night while i've been you know sitting in bed watching the evening news it's uh it's we just never turn it off it's something that we're always doing we live this stuff uh, scott obarzanek on facebook wants to know if there's any chance he'll do a 411 show on the thumb on huron on the great mixed bag fishery there Actually, it's been in our wheelhouse for a while. We've been looking at that. We actually have some good contacts, some good friends over there that are fishing it. Uh, Brandon Stanton is a charter captain in, in, in Saginaw Bay that we respect a lot, has invited us to come over and do that. We're going to get that done. We just haven't gotten it done yet. Um, but absolutely, that's something that we think would make a great show, a combination show that would catch walleyes, lake trout, and maybe even steelhead all on the same show. That'd be very cool. That'd be really cool. Now, speaking of that, that, that just kind of – Peak some curiosity in my mind. How do you guys go about picking out what you're going to do for a show? How do you go about picking out the locations and where you're going to go to do these? It's interesting because Jake and I bounce these ideas back and forth. And some of these things, you know, appeal to me and some of those things appeal to Jake and some of these things appeal to both of us. So um, we kind of, you know, typically like to go with things that are in our strengths, things that we both like to do, but occasionally we'll reach outside of that. But Mostly what we're trying to do is we're trying to geographically reach as many parts of the country as we can. We can't shoot, you know, it would be easy to shoot 13 shows on Lake Erie, um, but that's only going to uh, you know, uh, you know, appeal to the people who are interested in Lake Erie. So we try to spread it around. 
Um, the last few years, we fished all five Great Lakes, at least one episode. Uh, and we're going to continue to try to keep that a milestone. So we're going to try and fish in Minnesota, Wisconsin, Ohio, Pennsylvania, New York, uh, obviously Michigan waters, uh, Ontario. If they ever open the border again, we'll be back, we'll be back up there. There's some great fishing up there as well. Does, so does Jake cool. actually ever win? So when Jake when Jake makes a suggestion, does he actually ever get his way or not? You no, know, it used to be I kind of had my way around here. <laughs> uh, they, they affectionately refer to me as the boss, but it's kind of funny. <laughs> I don't get to make very many decisions, so I don't know how that works out in, in the real world. But uh, um, Sometimes that's not bad, you know? You no, know, um, we need a youthful feel to our show, and Jake brings that, and he brings it with a lot of enthusiasm. You're not going to find another person who is more into this than you know than what Jake is, and so yeah, I, I agree. That's that's yeah, you know, we're all about that. So uh, at my age, uh, I'm just darn glad they include me. <laughs> <laughs> all right, one more question just came in from Thomas. Both he wants to know how many hours of fishing time goes into an average show. Well, it depends. We are pretty proud of the fact that. If we're in our wheelhouse, if we're doing something we're really comfortable with and it's a good bite, most of our shows are shot in a day. Um, and we roll into town, we shoot the show, and we roll out of town. I mean, we don't stick around and smell the roses. Um, but if it's a tougher bite, you know, it could take two days, very commonly takes two days. And that could be dawn to dark two days in order to get that done. And we don't stop until we get everything we need. On a rare occasion, we have to, you know, get into that third day to get a show. But that means the fishing really is bad. If, if it takes us three days to get a television show, um, it's because fishing or the weather is really impeding our ability to, to be successful. So one to two days um, is, you know, in a perfect world, we get her done and we move on to the next shoot. Well, thanks, Mark. Thank you, Mark. Thanks for listening to the Great Lakes Fishing Podcast presented by Fishhawk Electronics. For more information on fishing the Great Lakes, visit our blog at fishhawkelectronics.com.